witness. This is one of those spiritual words that can be so loaded. For many, it's a scary word that brings up religious wounds of guilt and shame. Others have abandoned this idea entirely to simply practice good works. But what if we just stop, take a breath, and start over? What if being a witness has more to do with who we are? than what we're supposed to do. What can we learn from the forebears of our faith, the Bible and Jesus himself, about telling his story with our words and our lives? It's time we redeem, reframe, and reclaim this word. It's time to become a witness. Good morning. It is so good to be with you today and to be with you here in person and to be with you virtually. You know, it's an interesting time, that moment I get like seated and this video is still going. I don't know exactly how long it is. I feel like, like everybody's looking in the room's looking at me and I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to do. So I just kind of sit. I'm sorry if I have a weird smirk on my face when I do that. So I'm going to work on that, I promise. So I'm delighted to be part of this witness series. You know, in my heart, it's always been so important for us as a community to connect with others, to share the beautiful stories of the things that God has done, not just in the past, but the things that God is doing right now and the things that he's done in our lives as a community, as, a, as families, and as individuals. So... Thanks for being here today and being part of this series. You may have noticed that my wife, Tricia, hasn't been here for a few weeks. She's just not been feeling very well. Uh, I don't know, you may know this, that she's had health challenges for a long time in her life. And sometimes they just kind of pile up. And today is a day like that. So uh, she's at home, not here. And uh, I'm sorry you're not here. But if you are online and you got a comment that said Element Church, it was actually Tricia because she's doing the online hospitality this morning. Um, but uh, I just want to have said that having had the best seat in the house on Tricia's journey for many, many years, that she is one of the bravest, strongest, most gentle, gracious warriors that I know. So we miss you today, Tricia, and we all love you very, very much. And I miss having you here so that I can tell by the look on your face whether I'm really nailing it or whether I've lost my mind and I just need to move on. So love you. See you. Hug you later. Um, let's do our memory verse together. This is a great, bold memory verse, one that I think we all would do well to take ownership of, and it is Acts. The book of Acts. You know this book comes right after the Gospels. We have four Gospels that tell the stories of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And afterwards comes the book of Acts. It's kind of a weird word. What does that word Acts mean? Well, it's actions. Short for like actions. The actions of some of the apostles. Not all of the apostles, but some of the apostles. It tells their actions. So this is a book of action. That's the book of Acts, and this is the very beginning of it. Chapter number one, 
The eighth verse in the book of Actions, here's what it says. But you will receive, I'm going to read it and then we're going to do it together. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Okay, now let's do it together. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now that last part, ends of the earth, that's you. Maybe you've never been to Jerusalem or Samaria or those places, but that ends of the earth, that's kind of all of us taking this gospel with a bold, powerful spirit. Now how do we do that? What does that mean? That is what this series is all about, to empower us and to give us strength and confidence and energy to do that. Several years ago, I was hired by a Fortune 500 company to fly to Nebraska and make a short documentary style video for a big event. Every year they have this big conference and all of their top executives and top managers all come. It's thousands of people. And this year they had decided to give out a brand new award that they had never given before, an award for community service for one of their employees. And so they put out an all call to everyone in the company and said, nominate someone in your office, in your facility, in your department that is great at community service, and we're going to honor them with a special award at the annual conference in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. And so we're going to honor them. And so they hired me to fly to Nebraska to film, make a little video about the person who had won the award. I thought, this is pretty cool. This is right up my alley. I love this. When I got on the phone with the event planner, we talked it through, and she was telling me some things. At the end of the conversation, she said, I sure hope this works out well. And I said, is there a reason why it wouldn't work out well? She said, well, we did this all call, but we only received one nomination. So this guy was the de facto winner. I don't know if he deserves to be the winner, but the CEO was committed to this initiative. So one way or the other, we're giving this guy the award. Go make a great video. I was a little nervous about this. So I fly to Nebraska. I have to do a connection, and then I get on this tiny little plane. You know, there's like one seat on each side. Have you been on one of these planes before? To fly into this tiny little airport in Nebraska to then get a rental car to drive another three hours into Nebraska with all the corn and everything. It was pretty cool. And I get to this factory. And I got one day to interview this guy. There was one hotel in this place, wasn't very good. And the next morning I get up, and the morning I'm scheduled to interview the winner. And then he's going to show me like some of the community service work he's done. And then the afternoon, I'm going to interview the employees that nominated him and some of his family members. In the morning, I meet this guy, 8.30 a.m. I do an interview with him. He shows me all the stuff he has done. Let me tell you, I was not impressed. Here I was sent out to do this thing for the national conference for all the top executives. And I was like, this is going to be a disaster. This guy is not very impressive. In fact, what he has accomplished and done, like, this is not so hot. 
So we, I took a lunch break, and I, over lunch, I'm like thinking, like, all my creativity, how am I going to make this into a compelling story? I was ready right then and there to call the event planner and say, let's cancel this. You should just cancel the whole thing. If this is the best you got, we're in trouble. Well, then in the afternoon, I sat down with the employees and the people who had nominated him and his family members. And as I'm interviewing them, they didn't really want to talk about all the things he had done. What they wanted to talk about was how those stories had made them feel. And they wept as they talked about this guy and his determination, how hard he worked in his job, and then how he spent his evenings doing good for people in the community, and how inspiring it was to them, how it had really motivated them to look for the best in themselves. And, and his wife, like, broke down as she thought about how he had inspired her to become a better person and all the difference that it had made. And so then I flew home and edited this video, and I attended this conference where they played this video about this guy who, in my estimation, had done very little in the world. And after it was over, listening to all those people talk about what an inspiration he had been to them, he got a standing ovation. And they come up on stage. It was the only standing ovation of the conference. It was like a three-minute standing ovation. It was ridiculous. They give this guy an award. He's like... He's kind of dumbfounded by the whole thing. I was dumbfounded by the whole thing. What in the world was going on here? As I processed that, it changed the way I saw stories. And it changed the power of stories to me. Because very often, a story is not so much about how impressive or powerful or epic it is on the surface. The real power of a story is in its ability to transform the minds and hearts of others. And that's really all that matters when it comes to stories. It is very easy for us to look at our own lives and say, well, my journey is not particularly impressive. What I've been through is not much of an adventure. Not newsworthy, like this guy. Here we were celebrating this guy. His own local newspaper probably wouldn't have even written an article about him. And yet here we were celebrating him on a massive stage, giving him this big award. But it wasn't about what the news thinks matters. It wasn't really even about what the world thinks matters. It's always about how it matters to the individuals that hear those stories and the way it touches their lives. This experience redefined the power of storytelling for me. It made me start to realize as a filmmaker that I could probably spend a day with any person on the planet, any person. And if I was open and curious, if I listened and cared, I could make a three-minute film about their story and about their life that would move and inspire you. Because within every one of us is the spark of that. Not because we're so great. Not because we're so amazing. But because at the very core of us, we have eternity in our hearts. God put there. 
God is moving in each one of our lives, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. And it is his power that creates these incredible stories that have the ability to touch others if we are willing to share them. If we're willing to share them. The Bible, you've probably noticed, is filled with stories. And I'm not just talking about the parables that Jesus told to make lessons. I mean the whole Bible is one story after another. There are a few sections where there are like laws and commandments and things like that. Most of those are in the Old Testament. But most of the Bible is one story after another. And I think there's a reason for that. I think the reason is so you in your life can look at a story about a young man who went onto a battlefield and fought a giant. And you can say, I relate to that. I feel like that some days. You could look at a story about three young men who were about to be thrown into a furnace of fire unless they compromised their values. And they didn't. And you can say, you know what? I'm dealing with something right now in my life where I'm really tempted to compromise my values for short-term gain because it'll make my life easier. But look at those guys. Look at what they did. You could look at a story about a husband and wife who were trapped in a very small space with their family, having to homeschool them, not being able to ever leave that tiny ark while the world around them seemed to be falling apart. Does that ring any bells? Is that the past year of your life? That's what happened to Noah and his unnamed wife. Why do we not have her name? That's a shame. Anyway, that is the story of Noah. But that might be your story. And there's something about those stories that connect with us. But the reality is, your story doesn't have to be that crazy. You don't have to, like Samson, have wrestled and killed a lion. You don't have to have been in the belly of a whale for three days to understand what it means to regret a decision. And you don't have to have been Elisha and have been an old man and had some kids make fun of you and then some bears came out of the woods and killed those kids. Actually, I hope that never happens to you because that's crazy. Do you know that was in there? That's a crazy story. But your story, the things that have happened to you, the experiences you've been through matter and they're valuable. And they're important. But it is that thread that sometimes we miss of how God was working through all of that stuff that's the powerful part of it. We're not very good at that in our own lives sometimes. Sometimes in all the midst of our suffering and fears and issues, all we can see is the external circumstances. We have a tough time seeing how God was weaving into our story Powerful, beautiful things. Sometimes it's easier to see that in the rearview mirror. To look back and see that. It takes faith to see it in the moment. But it is that ability to look back and say, you know what? That was really difficult. I went through something that was really hard for me. But God was in that. I can see it. What if I shared it? 
what if I told that story? What would that be like if I really shared it in a positive, powerful way? You know, Jesus encouraged that in people. There's a great story. Let's see, it's in Luke chapter 8, where Jesus had cast a demon out of a man. This was a serious demon. This guy didn't just have one demon in him, he had multiple demons. The name of this demon was Legion, which means a bunch. This guy had a bunch of demons. They were haunting him, hurting him. That's kind of crazy. But that's what was going on in his life. And Jesus removed those demons. Now, maybe you've never had a demon in you. Your parents might say otherwise. But maybe you've never gone through an experience like that. But maybe you have. Maybe you've been through an experience where you felt like you were not yourself. You were not in control of your emotions, your feelings, your words, your actions. You felt completely out of control. If so, you can relate to this guy who had gone through a lot of things in his life that he could not control. And Jesus came in and said, let me help. Let me help. And when that had happened and he had experienced that transformation, he was so excited that he said to Jesus, here's what, here's what he said in Luke chapter 8, Verse 38, the man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with Jesus. Begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away. And Jesus had a lot of followers. There were many times when he said to people, come and follow me. But not this guy. Not this guy. In this case, Jesus said, no, don't come with me. I have a different mission for you. He sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. That was his job. Not to leave his home and follow Jesus, but just to tell a story. To tell a story. To tell it to as many people as he could, to tell it with boldness and courage, to tell his story of how God, how Jesus had worked in his life, how he had transformed him. I think we are all called to that. You may be saying, well, I'm not such a good storyteller. Like, I know people that are good storytellers. That's not me. I'm not so great at storytelling. That may be true. I would debate that with you. I think you're actually a better storyteller than you think you are because you're telling stories all day long. We live in stories like fish live in water. Fish don't know they're living in water, but they're always in water, right? That's the way stories are for us. We're living in them every day, but we're not using them intentionally. We're kind of using them unintentionally. We're just telling the stories that pop into our head rather than thinking through, you know what? Maybe there are some stories I should really think about in my life that I should really give some attention to, that deserve some attention. And when the moment is right and the time is right, I should tell those stories. Maybe I should be ready to tell those stories. Maybe in my heart and my mind, I need to do a little preparation to be ready to do that. You know, when we think about many environments that we have in our church, like, say, our, our house churches, a lot of the things that we focus on are skills of listening, of asking questions, of joining and affirming and sympathizing with people, 
of being a listener. We try not in many of those settings to give a lot of advice unless people ask for it. And that's a good habit, I think. In fact, social media could use a lot more of that, in my opinion. However, there are times and spaces where it's appropriate to listen, and there are also times and spaces where it's appropriate to speak. To speak. Not in a demanding, manipulative way, but in a way that has care in it. In a way that has compassion. In a way that says, you're not alone. Let me tell you a story about me. After you've listened, after you've cared, let me share a story with you to tell you that you're not alone. Now, if you need a roadmap for this, there's actually one in the Bible. It's in Acts. In Acts chapter 22, Paul tells the story of his life-changing experience. Now, what's interesting, this takes 21, 22 verses for Paul to do this. Now, this is in Acts chapter 22. We've already got this story in Acts chapter 9. This is the story again. Now, this was a time in history where it wasn't like we have, where it's just easy to type these words and just copy them over and over again and send them in an email or post them on a blog. Every letter, every word took effort by these scribes to copy these words over and over again. Why tell the exact same story twice when it's already been told in Acts chapter 9? Let's tell it again in Acts chapter 22. It's a lot of words. The difference is, is that in Acts chapter 9, the writer of this book, probably Luke, told the story. But in Acts chapter 22, who tells the story? Paul. He tells his own story. In Acts chapter 9, it's a biography. In Acts chapter 22, it's autobiography. Paul telling it in his own words himself. Now, I want to read this story. And then we're going to go back and dissect it. Because maybe you've read these verses before, but what you may not have realized is that they're also a crash course in great storytelling. And it doesn't matter whether you want to tell the story of your faith and what God has done in your life, or whether you want to tell any story. This is good stuff right here. So here we go. Let's read and think strategically and tactically about what Paul is doing here as a storyteller. Acts chapter 22, beginning in verse one, here's Paul talking. He's talking to a big group of people. Brothers and, Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. When they heard him speak in Aramaic, they became very quiet. Then Paul said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. Under Gamaliel, I was thoroughly trained in the law of our fathers and was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way, that's Christianity, to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison. As also the high priest and all of the council can testify, I even obtained letters from them to their brothers in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. This is Paul's background. This is his history. This is where he came from. This is where he started. This is was his normal. Verse 6. About noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. 
I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord? So we have an explosion. We have an explosion, a shift, a change. And Paul asks, now having witnessed this, what should I do? Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. A man named Ananias came, Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on the name of the Lord. When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying at the temple, I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking. Quick, he said to me, leave Jerusalem immediately because they will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I replied, these men know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing me. Then the Lord said to me, go. I will send you far away to the Gentiles. That is Paul's story. That is his testimony of his faith. Now, there is a structure to that story. There is a normal. Which part was the normal? It was like his history. Here's the way I was raised. Here's what happened. Here's what life was like to me. Then... He was on the road and there was a bright light. And in that moment, what was there? There was an explosion. There was an explosion. She's awake now, isn't she? There was an explosion. And then there was transformation. Transformation. There was new life, a new mission, a new direction. Every great story has those three parts. Normal, an explosion, and transformation. If you want to tell a great story, tell it that way. The bigger the explosion, the better. The more massive the transformation, the more dramatic the story is. Most of us miss a beat in that. Like if you want to know why a story falls flat when you're telling it, like if you have a story in your mind, and you're like, I can't wait to tell this to my mom. Make sure in your mind it has those three beats. Because if you miss one of them, it's not as exciting. If you say, I was walking down the street, normal. Then a dog started chasing me. Explosion. If that's the end, it's not a great story. You had the normal, 
you had the explosion, there's got to be a transformation. And I discovered that I was the fastest runner on the planet. Transformation. Transformation. Something new. Something fresh. Something different happened. Something in you shifted. Now, I would challenge you to think about your journey with God in those circumstances. When you think about your life, now it could be at any point in your journey. Maybe it was the point where you first found Jesus in your life. Maybe it was a point where you first discovered a spiritual community, where you first joined a house church, where you first met a mentor who changed your life. But there was a normal for you, and maybe that normal wasn't so great. Maybe that normal wasn't so wonderful. Maybe you were alone. Maybe you were lost. Maybe you were confused. Maybe you were depressed. Maybe you were sad. But then, an explosion. I won't clap again. You want me to? An explosion. And everything was different. Something happened in my life that changed it. What is it? When you think about your spiritual journey, where was an explosive moment? Where was a moment or a time or a season in your life when everything blew up? Maybe it was in a good way, maybe it was in a bad way. But then, after the explosion, was transformation. Was transformation. Now what's interesting is, is that the time to tell that story is when you encounter someone or someone you've known for a long time that finds themselves in a position where they are sad or hurting or lonely, but they were in your old normal. When they were in that spot you were in at the beginning of the story, their normal was what your normal was look like, looked like. And you can understand how they feel that way because you were too. But then let me tell you, I had an explosion. Let me tell you about the explosion. It was amazing. What was the explosion? Well, it could be, I read this verse. I went to this church. I met this person. I said a prayer. I lost something in my life. Something big happened that changed my life. And then let me tell you about the transformation in my life how much better things are now than they were before. That explosion was a good thing. And I invite you to have that explosion. I invite you to experience what I experience. In fact, I recommend you have it. I recommend you have it. That's a powerful word, recommend, invite. Both those words are powerful words because sharing the good news about Jesus has never really been about, at least it wasn't supposed to be about, trying to control or manipulate people or trying to make them feel that you are morally superior to them, that your worldview is better than their worldview. That's not really the message of Jesus. The message of Jesus is to say, you're hurting. Let me invite you to an explosion so you can experience a transformation. And for all of us, 
The gospel, the good news, is nothing more than one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. That's all it is. I had an explosion that changed my life. I invite you to have it too. That's it. And people who are in times of change in their lives are the people who are most open to it. Very often when we're comfortable with our normal, we don't really welcome an explosion. We don't want an explosion. But there's people you know right now that their normal is miserable. They're miserable. They're unhappy. They're alone. They feel lost. They feel confused. And you know what they need is an explosion. Tell them about your explosion. Tell them about what you went through and how it transformed your life. Now, let me also be a little more tactical about this because sometimes we need to think through the process of what that would look like. If even as I say all that, you're saying, I'm not really sure how to do that, you can start with prayer. With prayer. To just this afternoon, today, tomorrow, this week, say, God, I, I have a longing in my heart. I believe I am called to share a story about your work in my life. Help me see that clearly. Help me understand and see that story. And then give me an opportunity to share it with someone. Bring a situation of someone that needs to hear that story. You may want to actually write it down. As you're thinking about this and praying about it, you may want to say, you know what, you're right. I, there is a story in my life that is worthy of sharing that could transform somebody. I don't know if it will. Maybe you need to sit and journal it, write it, see it. And maybe there's a couple of stories in you that you need to share. One about your personal relationship with God, with Jesus. Maybe another one is about a connection you had with a community. Maybe it's about your church family. Maybe it's something else. Multiple stories that you need to write out and think through. And it's not, none of this is about it being a sales pitch. Are you trying to convince someone of something? This is you just building your skill at being able to honestly, authentically share what God has done in your life. And this is not a story, the explosion part of the story is not about slandering someone else. It's not about trying to say, and my normal was terrible because these people at this church were so mean and bad and horrible. It's not about that. It's not about accusation. It's personal. It's about your story. And you don't have to couch it in all these fancy religious terms. You don't have to know any religious terms. In fact, it's better if you don't use any religious terms. If you just talk as a human being, sharing your heart and your thoughts, one human being to another. It doesn't have to be long. You can keep it real short. In fact, the more you can keep it to normal, explosion, transformation, the better it is, the more effective it is. What if you could do that in 60 seconds? Two minutes. Share your faith with someone. Now, you, you still may be thinking through all that and saying, I, I'm not sure this is, am I called to this? Am I supposed to do this? This sounds like a big weighty thing. But, it, but it's, really, it's really not. It's really not. In fact, it's the natural flow of the word of Jesus going through our lives. 
very often our pastors will talk about the one true narrative of redemption. Benjamin said it this morning while he was praying. He talked about the one true narrative of redemption. The one true story of redemption. Now what is that story? What is that story? Well, you probably, if you've been around the Bible or church any length of time in your life, you could talk about the story of Jesus and how we sinned and Garden of Eden and Jesus came and died for all of us and was resurrected and we celebrate that at Easter. We just celebrated it. and Now we can have eternity. That is true. That is the one true narrative of redemption. But for you, how does that express itself? How has that lived, that narrative, that theological narrative, how has that lived in your life, in your heart? How has the Word of God become flesh in you? That's all this is. That's all we're talking about. Is the one true narrative of redemption that we talk about so often here, how does that live out in you? People are not as likely or as excited to hear a sermon about your theology, about what you believe and why you believe it. But if they can understand what it means to you, it's touching. Why was that story of that factory worker in Nebraska so impactful? It wasn't because what he had done was so amazing. It's because of how it had affected all of those people that watched that story unfold. The story of Jesus is beautiful. But the most powerful expression of that story to people that do not know Jesus is when they can see and hear how it matters to you. How it's inspired you. How it's moved you. We all want Jesus to have that standing ovation. How can we help him? How can we be part of that epic mission? It's by day-to-day, moment-to-moment, acknowledging in our own minds and our own hearts how that thread of that one true narrative of redemption has worked in us. And then sharing it. Then sharing it. Feeling that calling that invitation, even that responsibility and duty that Jesus gave to that man that he had healed to say, no, you being a follower of me doesn't consist of you doing what these other people are doing. What it consists of is you going out and everywhere you can and to everyone you can, share the story of what I did for you. Tell them about what your normal was. Tell them about the explosion. Tell them about the transformation. And tell them they can experience it too. Because that's the power of storytelling. That's the power of story. Is to look at a story and say, if that guy could live in the belly of a whale for three days, I can do it too. If that kid could kill a giant, what could I do? And by sharing your story, you're giving people hope. Very often, you're giving them a key that can unlock a prison that they have been trapped in for a very long time. But what they need is to know that someone else has gone through what they went through and has arrived on the other side victorious. Not through their own power, but 
through the power Jesus Christ. Psalms, book of Psalms. Psalm number 78. Beginning in verse 1. O my people, the writer says, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter hidden things, things from old. What we have heard and known, what our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from our children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power and the wonders He has done. I would invite you this week to think through intentionally with clear reflection what are the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord in your life? What are the wonders He has performed in your life? Do not hide them. Do not hide them. The world needs to know of those praiseworthy deeds and wonders. And they need to hear your voice share them to understand the one true narrative of redemption through your story and to see God's power working in you. I want to hear those stories. I want to see them because they are working powerfully and mightily in this group every day. I love you, and I love your stories. Keep telling them, and let's keep sharing them with each other and with the world. Let's pray. We are so grateful, Father, that you have loved us enough to share your story with us and to invite us into the journey of sharing your story through our lives. We are grateful for all that you have done and all that you continue to do through us. Let us be ambassadors, spokesmen and women for your love and your compassion and your goodness in this world. You have called us with love and compassion, and we are grateful. Give us the confidence and the belief that what you have done in us is beautiful. Help us to see it with clarity and with boldness, with, from a place of grace, knowing and seeing all that you have redeemed in our hearts and in our stories. And let that sense of confidence and boldness of belief and faith guide us to share. To share, to invite, to recommend, to help people see the truth and the good in themselves and in the world and in you more clearly. And let that be a path to the world and to those that we love that they would fall more deeply in love with you each day. Thank you for our stories. 
Thank you for blessing us through them and blessing us with each other's stories. We love you. We love each other. In Jesus' name.